Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a fantasy baseball podcast centering around all the top prospects in the game, brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is Alex Sanchez, and joining me for a very special episode is Nate Eckert, my co-host. Nate, you know why this episode is so special, right? I do. I, I remember. It is. <laughs> it's our 100th episode. Ho! Yeah, I mean, we need a live studio audience to clap for us. That's, uh, you know... I don't know. It's lot. pretty special. Special to us uh, here at Prospects 1500, uh, the Futures Focus podcast. Uh, and uh, today is going to be more of a celebration. The look in at the beautiful sport as a whole, not so much just prospects, but, you know, taking a step back and appreciating the sport for what it is. Um, you know, we are recording here today and, and both of our teams let us down in the playoffs. But that's all right. I'm okay, Nate. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, there's always next year, you know. Yeah, but that's not here nor there. What we're doing this episode is celebrating 100 episodes of Futures Focus for Prospects 1500. It's quite a feat here, and I'll just get on my soapbox for a second, mm-hmm. and then we'll mm-hmm. get talking. You know, this is a absolutely free website, and um, we, we have some special guests on later, by the way. Grant Paulson. And CEO Chairman Scott Green are going to be joining us in a little bit. But if I could, this you know this site's completely free. The podcasts are completely free. We don't have a Patreon account. We don't have a subscription service. We have you know over 30 or 40 people on staff, and I, I put that in quotes because nobody's getting paid a penny for this. Um, and to have the site not only run long enough for a podcast to even be set up and let alone now that podcast has gotten over a hundred episodes. I think that's pretty special, Nate. Yeah, absolutely, man. Just goes to show how many people love uh, baseball and love prospects and especially our website. And, you know, I haven't done all 100 episodes, you know, going back, Scott started it out there and, um, but the vibe was the same, honestly. If you go back and listen to the first couple of episodes, which I recommend you do. It's fun to live in the past. We're going to live in the past, I think, a little bit here as well. But the vibe was the same. You know, We're trying to get these guys out there for fantasy owners um, and just baseball lovers in general, if that's, if that's your thing, knowing about these prospects and who they are, what, are, what they're most likely to become, what is their ceiling, what is their floor, a scouting report. Getting eyes on these guys where, you know, we live in a late age of a lot of technology, but even then getting eyes and getting data on some of these single A players can be difficult. And I love some of the top guys in the industry for sure, but they certainly can't see everybody. And uh, so I think this website has found a very nice niche. So, um, Nate, congratulations. 100 episodes. Likewise, likewise. Congratulations to you, man. You were doing it longer than I have been. So I'm I'm brand new as far as uh, the 100 episodes are concerned. Yeah. Maybe I've contributed to, what, 20 of them, perhaps? I don't, yeah, I don't I'm even, not entirely sure. I'd have to go back and look but, and see how many I've even done. I don't know off the top of my head. But um, in celebration of all of this... Um, 
Scott has decided to have a giveaway for only listeners of this podcast, which, you know, as much as I would like to think that there's hundreds of thousands of listeners, there's really not. Um, I'll just say that if you're listening to this podcast and you enter this contest, you have a great chance of winning. And uh, Scott's going to go over the prize in a little bit. I don't want to give that away. But what you do need to do is listen to this podcast. I think that's fair. And uh, provide some of the answers to prospects1500 at gmail.com with the answers. And so all you need to do, we're going to be going over our favorite prospects of all time. You just got to give me who each of the guests' favorite prospects were. That includes Nate, myself, Scott, and Grant. Um, we all kind of go over our favorite prospects in this episode. So if you can name all four, you'll be entered in a drawing, and then Scott's going to send shipping covered, all that good stuff, the prize, um, and listen a little bit later for that prize. I do know what it is. I'm not like, I'm not going to, you know, but I want everybody to listen. It's a good prize, Nate. Good prize. I, bet. I bet. It involves autographs. I'll just say that. You will get Ooh. autographs. Ooh. Of minor leaguers, too. So Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, honestly, we're not going to be a stickler. Just, you know, email us with (laughs) if you email us uh, and, you know, with something, we'll we'll probably put you in anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So um, with that being said, uh, let's kick off the episode here. Uh, um, Nate, I want to hear your sort of favorite prospect of all time, it could be recent, it could be when you were a kid. I have some off-the-wall ones I'm going to share as well, It'd be more than one. But just sort of the prospect uh, memories that you have in the last, uh, in your lifetime. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what really starts to get me excited about prospects is being able to figure out that like who's that next guy that's that's going to be coming up that's really going to make an impact almost immediately when he gets in and being the first you know the first guy to get him uh in my respective fantasy leagues uh of course dynasty leagues are a lot more difficult but before i started playing in dynasty uh my first my first real scouting move was uh, was Cody Bellinger of all players when uh, it was the year after he had switched up his swing. He went from being a true hitter to more of a lofty power swing, and they taught him how to do that. At the time, it was in single-A advanced – uh, Rancho Cucamonga yeah. before they were demoted to uh, to single A, and uh, I saw I took one look at his video. I was on MLB.com looking at the uh, Dodgers top 30, and after I saw that swing change, and I watched him unload. And when Ballinger, I mean, I know I know I've given him some crap over the last year or so, but when he gets into a, a pitch, it's one of the prettiest swings, period, in my opinion, in baseball. When everything goes right, when he times it, when he gets those hips moving and he gets that load up and uh, and then he just exhales. You know, it, it was a it was a beautiful sight to to be seen and it blew me away. So right then and there, he was on my radar and. 
I don't think that a lot of the guys in my redraft league even had an idea of who he was. Uh, and that year I was able to pick him up. It was like the first week of the season. Cause the Dodgers, they, they promoted him really quick. And, uh, and that was his, uh, NL rookie of the year, you know, massacre season where he just un- obliterated the ball and had like, I don't know, 20 steals or something like that. And, uh, set the NL rookie, home run a home run record at the time uh and i also was able to pick up aaron judge in that same swoop it was like the next day i picked up aaron judge so i won the league that year and it was basically because i had made up i had made those two pickups and when you could do that you know it really sets you apart from the rest of the league now granted i'm it's been a, a long time since I've been able to grab anybody really in the same in the same sort of uh, style that I did Bellinger and Judge because after that happened everybody was kind of smartened up to okay well maybe Nate's on to something you know maybe he should maybe we should start looking and learning about these prospects because these kids are ready to go I mean once they get once they get to the bigs forget about it. You know, as long as they're promoted and and they look solid across the board, um, feel free to invest fully and at least give them a shot and see what happens. You know, Uh, that was really fun because I changed the uh, I changed the the culture of of our league with just two pickups because they were that poignant and. that was that was a fun one for me. Yeah, that that is a fun strategy that a lot of redraft leagues don't have, right? Where you you know they're not worried about prospects and and you just pick them up and they turn into something. Especially if it's a keeper league, you know, keep five or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's really mm-hmm. fun to to get those guys off. Like you said, dynasty's a little tougher. Those almost are a little bit more rewarding though when you pick a guy up. Uh, like my favorite that I'll talk about here. Um, you pick them off of the free agents and sign them oh, you know, as, yeah. to your team, and and then they develop into something. That one is really a, a good feeling. I've done that with Anthony Volpe, um, but my mm. my favorite one was, and my favorite prospect recently is obviously uh, Ronald Acuna for me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I picked him up, and you know all these dynasty leagues when he started to show up as, you know, low A, high A, and even, you know, that year was just so insane to see mm-hmm. somebody go that quickly through a system and just get better at each level was something mm-hmm. I wasn't mm-hmm. used to. I mean, I was used to prospects at that time, but to mm-hmm. see it happening on a, your favorite team was something else. And then turning into something that I could never even have dreamt of but, you know, this last year, it was just it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, I remember when he came up, my buddy got was getting married and I, I do this little podcast for them for fantasy football and stuff. And I, <laughs> it was rookie year. And I said, you know, if you give me the code, Ronald Acuna is our savior. I'll buy you a <laughs> beer at the wedding. And so even then, I was like, I was already like, this is the guy that's going to. Yeah. It was yeah. 2017, you know, 2018 or whatever. And then, you know, had a little injury. 
um, in between, but uh, coming back and doing what he's done. And, you know, I've, I have a Jersey of his, I have a bunch of auto cards. I have this, I really should know, I should get the name. Um, but this artist that does super realistic drawings, beautiful, does an Acuna one. I just got all of his stuff and it's just, it's, it all started when he was a prospect. So that's really fun. I also have a couple like that just for some reason came to me when thinking about names. And I want to mm-hmm. know if you remember these guys, Nate, mm-hmm. and uh, they're old. So um, I love, I've loved baseball for a long time. This goes back to 97, 98 and sort of like in my collecting baseball cards days, getting a rookie card was obviously very important. And they started putting out like, if you were a high draft pick, you know, you got maybe a card with tops or whatever the year before uh, you came up or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, or Bowman was still kind of going around with these guys that, you know, had no MLB stats. And so right. I started just sort of just looking at the top, top guys. And this is 12 year old Alex at, at, at the time. And I started <laughs> to fall in love with these young guys that were going to be the next best thing. So um, Travis Lee. Oh, yeah. Arizona Diamondbacks played for other yep. couple teams. Yeah. Um, 98 number one prospect for the Oakland Athletics, Ben Grieve. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, thought, I, I loved, I mean, those are two, like you said, sweet swinging lefties. Right. Um, I thought yeah. they were the next best thing. And of course, you know, on my favorite team, I needed the next prospect. So there's a bunch of guys like Wes Helms. I remember being <laughs> waiting for him to come up. Um, Brian Klesko was another one that oh, as a yeah. Braves fan, I followed closely in his ascent. Um, and he, he kind of, he became like my idol there for a second. And then, um, he had a, a decent career, but Klesko yeah. is another one. Um, you know, Richie Sexton. Oh <laughs> yeah. Richie stood Sexton. out as a, a six foot seven, six foot eight guy. And in, <laughs> uh, all-star baseball to like 1998 or all-star baseball, 1999, they had minor leaguers in that game. Um, like maybe four or five per major league team. Like they had actual minor league guys, which, you know, huh. was removed from baseball games until like recently in MLB, the show, but mm-hmm. he was, um, he was a minor leaguer and I knew about him and he was in the Indians. Uh, well, guardians, but yes, at the time, Indians at the time, mm-hmm. at the time, the Indians minor league system. And uh, you brought him up and you, you had a little icon, a little cursor, right? And for most people, it was, you know, <laughs> let's say an inch, two inches on the screen, like the size of a um, quarter. Whatever, yeah. You know, and the best yeah. hitters like Larry Walker and Chipper Jones and Jeter, they all had half the big zone. One, you know, half the zone. That, uh-huh. um, and so, and they had hot and colds. It was an awesome game, actually. <laughs> like, All Star <laughs> Baseball was so ahead of its time. But anyway, yes. they would have hot, hot and cold zones. So I brought Richie Sexton up. He had all blue cold zones in his entire <laughs> thing. But his icon. It was a glitch or something, and it ha- it took up the entire strike zone. So if it, you oh, know, no. you said it was a quarter, it was literally <laughs> like uh, the size of a glass, you know, like yeah, yeah, it yeah. was huge, and you just drop bombs, and it was like this six eight freak on the screen. So um, Richie <laughs> Sexton, yeah, and so I was like, oh, who is this guy? He must be great. Oh yeah, he had it, you know, had, all those guys were okay for a second, and so they, yeah, they did make yeah. it, but. None of them did much, really. So those are just some of the funny, quirky prospects um, in the past. Um, Anybody else that uh, Um, you've followed? You know who uh, 
I you used to mention- love when I was playing. I was playing Babe Ruth, and uh, the only real way that I could learn about prospects when I was 14 would be like uh, um, uh, ESPN. The magazine had just came out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? Um, Baseball America, of course, but JD Drew. Oh yes. He was such he was such the guy like coming out of FSU, right? Florida State. Couldn't tell you, but I I do remember. Wasn't he top pick and then didn't want to sign with the Phillies or whatever? And then they threw batteries at him at Philadelphia. Yeah, 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 they did. They did. He ended up going to Boston, I believe. Uh, Um, Yeah, Boston or St. Louis. He played for the Braves for a second, too. Had a great year with the Braves. Yeah, he had a good career. It ended up having a pretty decent career, all things uh, considered. Yeah, so but another, another sweet swinging lefty were, too. Oh man, that guy swing. This is like yeah. Will Clark meets uh, Sean Green or something, you know. Yeah, and was. he was. I remember the numbers he was putting up. Uh, it was either Miami or FSU, but I'm pretty sure it was FSU. And oh. uh, I, I remember. Um, reading the articles about him in those magazines and the way he wore his Oakley's, you know, I remember back in the day where Oakley's were just like the thing to wear. FSU. And, He's uh, FSU. I don't FSU. Yeah. FSU. Okay. Um, God, I, I used to want to yeah. be him, you know, hitting 500 on the year, some craziness like that. I think he hit like 499 one season at FSU. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he, that was one. He reminds really me of, um, of like Bryce Harper before Bryce Harper. He just, right. for whatever yeah. reason, would kind of like a lot of fanfare before he even stepped on the, uh, for the professional team. Right. Um, but backed it up for the most part. Yeah, I mean, his was injuries. I remember him. Yes, um, for sure. Injured for a lot. sure. And then his brother. He, remember his brother, Stephen Drew, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. He was a nice little shortstop uh, in yeah. uh, middle infielder. Um. Rick Ankeel, if we go back to the Cardinals, I remember when oh, he came yeah. up with his high socks and he was just this unbelievable talent. Um, then couldn't find the strike zone against the Braves. I remember that Cardinals Braves and he just threw like five pitches to the backstop. Ooh. And yes. that was it. <laughs> yeah, that was that. <laughs> and he right? became an outfielder and he played, yeah. he came back and played outfield and for the Braves. Yeah. And he came yeah. back and played for the Braves too. Yeah, there's there's some awesome names. We could go on and on and on. It just kind of I remember. Oh, AJ Hinch. Remember? I mean, he became a manager, but I remember him coming up as a catcher with Oakland. Another yes. name just popped into yep. my head. Big one. Because I, I I would go in the backyard and you know I'd create these lineups and I'd, I'd throw like a wiffle ball in the air and hit it and then I I had <laughs> to create an all rookie team like an all prospect team. So. Uh huh. I remember AJ Hinch was the catcher and Travis Lee. And then I liked, you know, and like I had Nomar too because he was youngish. So oh, it was yeah. a sweet team. Yeah. I bet. Those are the I days. bet. Those yeah. were the days. Yeah. All right, Nate. All right. We have some special guests uh, we need to get to. So uh, we'll go, we'll go ahead and take a break here, but we have Grant Paulson. I think that might be one of the biggest celebrity industry guys that we have ever had on the podcast um i mean we've had yeah Tyler Freeman, major leaguer for sure but grant's a huge name 
um, in the industry Washington guy. So we're going to bring him on. And then it's only fair to have Scott come on. Um, I kind of know what we're going to talk about. We've already recorded it. But very, <laughs> I think it's a very insightful conversation. He's very, very honest about you know, how he created the website, his plans for the future, and all of that. So a really a good kind of almost state of the union address that um, if you don't know Scott or realize that, you know, he's the guy behind all of this. I think it's a really cool, cool stuff. So, um, yeah, this is uh, Futures Focus, 100th episode. Nate, uh, let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll be back with Grant Paulson. And we are here with another special guest, this time Grant Paulson of 106 The Fan. And uh, he also does the prospects on MLB Network as well. Uh, it's quite an honor for uh, for such a big celebrity in the industry to be with us. So, Grant, how you doing? Thanks for coming on, man. Well, thank you guys. It's very nice of you to say. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Alex and Nate, thanks for uh, thinking of me and having me. How's everybody doing? Oh, it's our pleasure. We I couldn't tell you how excited. Like we were just saying before we got onto the show, uh, how pumped we are. So um really excited to have grant on on the show with us and uh uh thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to come hang out with the uh the, you know the, the the lower totem of the polls <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm excited i'm fired up you guys do a great job i love all the attention that prospects are getting and, and all of the entertaining shows that yeah. kind of add to the love of baseball at a time where I think things are going well at the major league level. The rule changes are working, but we need to keep growing the uh, the passion for the game. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. excited to be here. Indeed. Yeah, that's a Indeed. great point. I do think prospects are kind of the in craze right now. And in this age of technology, people are starting to really want to, you know, get get ahead of some of these guys and not just see them when they come up for the first time and get introduced, but to kind of follow them in the minors. It's so easy nowadays um, to do that. So, um, Grant, I have a few questions for you. Um, let's start since this is again, a celebration of just baseball, I suppose this whole episode, this 100th episode, uh, tell me one baseball memory. It could be anything from the minors to the majors a, a game you attended when you were a kid, whatever. What's the one baseball memory that you cherish? Yeah, I mean, I have so many, uh, it's hard to, to limit it down to just a few, but I would hmm. say the, the first thing that comes to mind is <clears throat> the first time I can remember being in a major league baseball game. And mm. it's probably not my actual first game, if I had to guess, but it's the first mm-hmm. one I remember being at with mm-hmm. uh, my father took me. I was with my brothers, my whole family, and we went to Camden Yards in Baltimore. I'm based in the D.C. area, but at this time as a child, the Nationals didn't exist. And so <laughs> the Orioles were my team. I was a diehard Orioles fan. And, you know, a couple of times a summer, we would go to birds games. There were about two hours Baltimore was from where I lived. So we didn't get to go very often. And, and we were a family of six. So no, it wasn't like hmm. we had season tickets or, or we were all getting to go as much as we would have liked, but I watched every single game, every single night. And I remember one of the you know earliest memories I have, frankly, in sports and in life was uh, going to a, a day game at Camden hmm. Yards and Rafael Palmero hitting hmm. a home run. And no. I remember I, you know, got up that day and I read the like had the sports page and I when we were <laughs> up to Baltimore, I was looking at all the pitching matchups and seeing who was <laughs> on the mound and the ERAs and 
And it was just a different time, but uh, I, I was a big Palmero fan. I loved, obviously, Cal Ripken Jr. and, and that Orioles team, and uh, that's one of my first memories. One of my favorite things baseball-wise I, I still remember is going to a minor league game in Richmond, Virginia, when the, the Richmond Flying Squirrels, same ballpark, by the way, were actually okay. at the time the Richmond Braves. And they were the AAA affiliate for many years for Atlanta, and that was only about an hour from my house. And I went to a lot of those games. It was a lot cheaper than going to Camden Yards, and it was also about half the distance from where I lived. Mm-hmm. And I remember one night we showed up at the ballpark in the summer. My dad again and my mom and, and me and my siblings went. And it was dollar night at the ballpark. And so we got <laughs> in. For, it was a $1 ticket. It was $1 hot dogs and $1 soft beverages. And you got a T-shirt when you got into the game. So like for, what? you know, for a dollar, literally you got like your ticket to the game, general <laughs> admission, you got a t-shirt, you got hot dogs and drinks. And I still remember like how excited my dad was, you know, he did <laughs> like that, that to me was, it's just like a romantic baseball moment of thinking yeah. about just how cool that was for my family. And then I guess long story short, other things along the way would include, uh, I, I went to Steven Strasburg's first professional game in Altoona, Pennsylvania, made a three-hour road trip with some buddies. At that point, I was old enough to drive. We went yeah. to his first pro start. Uh, that was really cool to see him in double-A after we'd heard so much about him at San Diego State. Um, oh. th- that was a great memory, sitting right behind the screen with a couple of the Pirates pitchers oh. who weren't throwing that day, kind of with the guns next to us and taking <laughs> the book. And, and we just kind of were asking them after every pitch for the velocities and kind of what he had just thrown um, and he was one of my favorite prospects ever as one of the most hyped guys ever. Obviously wasn't in the minors very long, but then some of the cool things I've seen at, at state, you know, ballparks, I've never seen a no hitter or a perfect game or even close. I, mm. I was at a 20 strikeout game, Max Scherzer against the Tigers in DC. I've actually weirdly enough been at like four cycles. I think a couple huh. of random ones, Aubrey Huff for the Orioles, Felix PA for the Orioles, <laughs> couple, uh, Trey Turner for the nationals come to mind. Um, <laughs> So those are just some of the things that jump out at me as I kind of rack my brain initially. And then maybe the best environment I've ever been in non-playoff division, because I've been lucky enough to cover the league championship series on the field in the dugout, mm. you know, champagne spray and celebrations and stuff for mm. MLB network radio for many years. But uh, in terms of just like going to a, a regular season baseball game, uh, being at Strasburg's 14 strikeout debut against the Pirates, uh, a really, uh. really good thing, too. So those are some of the things that come to mind. Yeah. So you, you were there for, for uh, his debut. Huh? Yeah. The, oh, God. I watched I wouldn't that. Miss on that. Tele- I watched it on television yeah. and I was riveted. I can't even imagine what it must have been like in person. Oh, it was awesome. Well, the, the big thing about it was here in D.C. at that time. So you're going back. He was drafted 1 1 in 09, obviously. And so it was the 2010 season. It was the summer of 2010. And the Nationals, <laughs> if you remember, that they came back to D.C. in 2005 after what was uh-huh. a 34 year hiatus. Uh, so there had right. been no baseball for over three decades. When they initially came back in 05, they were operating literally like their offices were out of trailers in the parking lot <laughs> of their old ballpark, which was called uh, RFK stadium, which is mm-hmm. dilapidated and being torn down as we speak <laughs> in DC. But uh-huh. it was the old stadium where the, the then Redskins, the old uh, name of the football team here had won all their Super Bowls, And so it was this, you know, decades old, just really run down, like awful ballpark. <laughs> I mean, it was it was not a, a baseball ballpark. They had played there in the past. But right. Just, right. It was horrible a uh, place to, to go watch baseball. Having said all that, people were elated because they were back and you had a baseball team and, and D.C., you know, so many older fans who remembered the Senators 
you know, were beside themselves and emotional and when they left and came back. And and so when he made his debut in, in 2010, it was five years after they returned. They'd been really, really bad for five years. They had lost 100 <laughs> games in a row for a couple straight years as this terrible team. And it was kind of this seminal moment where it was literally the first time since the Nationals existed where it was like a must-see event. It was a you get mm-hmm. to go to the ballpark. You don't have to go to the ballpark kind of night. Yeah. And it was the first time, and it was packed. There was you know 40,000 people, and they had moved over to Nats Park a year and a half earlier. Uh-huh. Um, so still in its infancy and the energy was amazing. It was the first like nationally relevant night at the, hey. the Nats ballpark where like all the who's who in baseball was there. So to be there to see, you know, all the hype and everyone gets so excited about his call up and how often do you see all that? And then he goes four and a third and walks five uh-huh. or whatever, but seven innings, two runs on a two run Homer, one mistake, 14 strikeouts. He struck out the last seven batters he faced. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. It really was. And I remember watching that game thinking, I mean, the fans, just like you said, uh, were hanging on every pitch. I mean, they were right there with them for the whole stint. And I remember thinking to myself, I've never seen anyone throw a breaking ball that looks like Strasburg's. Uh, It it reminded me of like a like a Frisbee. It was throwing it so, you know, so uh, wildly, not not wildly. That's a terrible uh, word for it. But it had so much movement on it. I remember thinking, oh, my God, this guy is 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 so he's the real deal. The man, kudos to you for being there in real life. That would I wouldn't have missed it. Yeah, it was a it was a must attend event. So it's funny. I have a Strasburg framed picture with the dirt from the mound from that game you're talking no. about right on my wall. Oh wow! Kind no way! Yeah, ah, as a, ah. out of all the all the guys uh, to mention, I am. Uh, yeah, my wife doesn't understand why I have it. She's like, you have dirt on the wall. But, <laughs> 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 um, so does, does, I was gonna ask uh, your favorite prospect of all time. It kind of sounds like maybe it's Strasburg, or is there another? guy that uh, kind of takes the cake for like your favorite prospect of all time. That's interesting. I mean, so Strasburg, because of the hype and the attention he got coming up, you know, was definitely probably on the short list. It was just such an important time. I think he changed prospect culture, to be honest. Yeah. That's yeah, why I he agree. might be the answer for me. Like he came along at a time where there weren't a lot of shows. Everybody, every team didn't have a, a podcast on their system and, you know, people weren't really evaluating players in the minor leagues to the same extent. And then we had the the advent, obviously, of you know, you could always dig up the box scores, but it became way easier with minor league baseball and MILB.TV and, you know, MLB Pipeline and all these things where uh, it really exploded right around at the same time Strasburg did. And I mm-hmm. think the infatuation with him was a craze and a mania, the likes of which we hadn't seen. And I really think it kind of jump-started what I would consider to be prospect culture as we know it now. Um, so I think he is probably an answer. The thing was, he was just not in the minor leagues for that long right. because he was drafted summer of 09. He was in the show within a calendar year later. They shut him down after he was first drafted and debuted him in the AFL. And then he made, if I had to you know, guess, like 10 or 11 minor league starts before he was called up. So It's a little hard to say him. I mean, some of the the guys along the way that I've really loved as prospects and just been completely enamored by. um, 
I was a huge fan um, early on in like the prospect game years ago. If you want to go in my backyard of Matt Wieters, uh, drafted mm. out of Georgia Tech, 2007, mm-hmm. fifth overall. Um, th- there were websites made about Matt Wieters with like Chuck Norris <laughs> jokes, but they were Wieters <laughs> jokes. And the hype around him was huge, uh, not to the mm-hmm. extent of Strasburg, but I, mean, I still remember, you know, driving a few hours to go to his major league debut. And he was a guy because you could check his box score every single night, unlike a pitcher. You know, what mm-hmm. he, oh, he's two for four with another double. He hit another homer at Bowie. Like, I was fired up about uh, Wieters for sure. On, on a national level, um, you know, there's a handful of guys that come to mind, but I would say um, in the early going for me, uh, I started covering prospects pretty intensely in the Major League Baseball draft back in 2007. And I was a big David Price guy uh, out of Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. went 1 1. Another guy that flew to the major leagues and got to the Rays mm-hmm. and ended up pitching out of the pen in his first year when they went to the World Series. So he'd be on a, a short list for me. Um, and then more recently, Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, I just I got to you know, I, I'm in the dugout for the uh, National League every year for the Fut- Series XM Futures game oh. our game game oh. broadcast. Oh. And before we went to the Futures game last year. Um, you know, I kind of staked claim on like that was my guy in the game. That was the player <laughs> I was most excited to see and yeah, I've been tracking yeah. him every night. And then I ended up sitting for a few innings next to him in the the dugout, kind of talking to him during the game. And uh-huh. uh, he was wearing like these cleats, uh, these shoes um, that like honored his mom and like a picture of his mother. And he was just uh-huh. the coolest guy. You know, we had this ongoing discussion and he he wasn't you know you could tell he's not like it's not like he's been here for 15 years speaking English, but he does it plenty well and. Our, it's just her interaction was so pleasant. I, there was just an energy uh, with him that I, I loved. And uh, so to see him having been so electric in this first year has been awesome. So I could go on, but those are some of the guys just popping out at the you know first thing I'm thinking. Yeah, so, Elliot, you know. that Futures game, uh, Nate and I were there. I was on the field. Nate, you went to the game. Um, but uh-huh. Ellie was the one that cha- like changed my mind the most out of anybody I had seen. I, I knew he yeah. was a good prospect, but from that day, I said top five, easy. Yeah. Um, he just was so impressive. So that's that's a really interesting call to put with some old guys, older guys like Weeders and Strasburg. So that just shows you his uh, his ceiling. It's crazy. Yeah, so. I'm kind of trying to mix it up with like guys that yeah. because I was such a fan of the O's and now, you know, more recently the Nats and just guys that I covered, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. in terms of they're easy to go to with the affiliates. But yeah, in terms like there are so many guys like De La Cruz where, you know, right away you kind of are enamored with a skill set. And you find yourself like every single night checking a box score. Like yeah. I do that. We now. were doing that. Yep. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. I do that now with like Junior Caminero of the Rays. No, uh, yeah. I'm no longer like a diehard Orioles fan, but I've seen Jackson Holiday in person uh, oh. know, five, five or six times this year um, and, and watch him every night. And he's just amazing. Mm. Uh, so I mean, we, we could talk about, you know, those special blue chippers, you know, all day long, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do. We do it every week. <laughs> That's right. Um, Nate, I know you had a question for Grant. Um, I do. Yes. Yeah. Um, first of all, Grant, again, thank you for coming on to the show. Um, hearing you talk about prospects and baseball in general really makes me excited and, and happy, you know, to hear um, someone in our industry who has obviously done very well for himself. Uh, is a real 
you know, real recognizes real and you're a real one. And uh, it, it pleases me no more than to find that out. And uh, first of all, first and foremost, thank you on behalf of Alex and I. Uh, I wanted to know, um, as I'm looking at your Twitter page, you've got all sorts of stuff going on. Um, looks like it says play by play for the athletic. Is that, did I read that correctly? Athletics more, more of a writing gig, but yeah, I get to do play by play, uh, in the area calling, you know, I, I prefer baseball and football, but uh, you know, calling anything. And that's kind of oh, my yeah. ultimate goal is, is to do every game right. for somebody, but yeah, I've yeah. had a good time doing that. No, that's incredible. Uh, also, um, you know, NFL, NHL coverage for, um, NBCS uh, Washington, uh, MLB Network Radio uh, with Grant and Danny uh, at 106.7 The Fan. Um, you're all over the place, man. And with your 125,000 followers, a number that I couldn't even. I think you have. I think you're following as many people <laughs> as I have following me. <laughs> which is only 300 something, which is uh, a number that uh, I don't know if I should have said on air, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. It's not like I'm going to lie about it. Um, what got you into all of this? And uh, if, if, if I may, um, what have, what, what's really been what you've found to be your not secret sauce or anything like that, but as you go along in your career, uh, has there been like a, like a single, not mantra, but like something that you're always uh, referring to in your mind as far when you make your decisions as to what gigs to take and what moves to make, et cetera? Um, I think, that, yeah, it's a it's a really good question. Um, it's it's not a question I've ever been asked. So I like that a lot. Um, I guess I'll start with the first question because it's easier to answer and I'll try to be succinct um, and I'll make a long story short. I got a weird backstory. Uh, everyone's is going to be different, right? So some people mm -hmm. start as interns and climb and some people kind of, uh, you know, luck box into it or whatever. Some people go to school and just work their way up. Uh, for me, I started in radio uh, at a really young age. So it's funny. I was a diehard sports fan. I was arguing sports with my uncle, who many, many, many years ago was like the number one radio disc jockey for music, like a rock station in hmm. Pittsburgh called WBVE. Hmm. He did a morning show where in addition to playing rock songs, they would do a lot of bits back in the day when, you know, there, it was guy talk radio. So it was a lot mm -hmm. of like, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of funny, but at times like edgy things that they would do. But he was always trying to find a way to to make people laugh and do bits. And so we got into this big argument about sports and he had me on his radio show. I called in to do football picks. And this <laughs> is like around 1998. I was 10 years old or nine years old. <laughs> and he called me his little sports bookie. So I would, uh, I would call into his show and I would give him like the betting lines. And obviously mm -hmm. now this is all ubiquitous, but at that time, you know, nobody really talked about sports betting, but he would right. call me his 10 year old nephew sports bookie. <laughs> so I would give him the line and the pick for the day and tell him who to pick or whatever. And we would do this ahead of the football games on Fridays. Mm -hmm. And so because mm -hmm. I was doing that, the local newspaper wrote a story about me called the King George Journal here uh, or back home in Virginia. 
Uh, it's a very small once a week paper that, you know, a couple thousand people in my town of 25,000 people read. Um, mostly they would just get it at their house and use it to you know, start their charcoal <laughs> or something. Uh, but long story short, I, I, they wrote a story about me. I started doing a, a weekly uh, co- column for them where basically, I mean, it's pretty embarrassing looking back on it in terms of how bad it was. But like I would write 100 words, like a couple paragraphs, like my take <laughs> on sports and just a little tiny like eighth of the page was like Grant's. Yeah. I think it was called like Grant's Picks or something. And I would just say, hey, the Wizards are going to beat the Pistons this week. Here's why or whatever. And so yeah. I did that. And because I was doing that, the local television station in D.C., Channel 9, WUSA, uh, did a, a TV uh, segment on the fact that I was doing these radio call-ins and writing these stories. And I was, you know, 10 years old. And so they, they did like a six-minute story on it for, you know, a May sweeps week at one point, like on the local <laughs> TV news. And yeah. then they got a good response. So they had me up to do football picks on Channel 9. And so wow. for the football season that, that year, I was doing, you know, going up there and in D.C. and doing football picks, and they brought me to training camp to interview players and stuff like that. So because then uh, that's a CBS affiliate, uh, to, to make a long story, which is, you know, the coolest thing that's ever happened to me short, um, the Letterman show, David Letterman, no. uh, saw Channel 9's, you know, the lo- or not him specifically, but right, uh, somebody talent producers or whatever, right, uh, right, saw the bit of this kid who was talking about sports and is a fast talker who, like, spits out stats, and they thought it was funny. And so the Letterman show had me up to be on the no. Letterman show. And I ended up uh, – Dave's a huge sports fan, as it turns out, and, um, like, enjoyed the segment for whatever reason. I don't quite know why. Uh, but everyone cool. laughed a lot and thought it was funny that I guess I could, like, talk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> so, uh, so they ended up having me on over the course of, like, you know, five years, six years, like, seven times. Wow. Uh, over a, an extended period. And uh, from those appearances, I would get cool opportunities. So, you know, got to yeah. go to Super Bowl with Channel, uh, with with ESPN and ABC, and um, went to the Super Bowl with the David Letterman show one year, um, you know, and, wow. and other things like that. Real Sports with Brian Gumble, got to, you know, do a story there. And, and so because of all that, like, I got this opportunity to start hosting a show on a kids' radio channel on XM uh, back in like 2002. About 21 years ago, uh, obviously that's a couple channels ago, but I'm still with them now on MLB Network Radio. So I've been doing shows ever since, and you know, right around when I was 13 at the time. Um, and so that was kind of my start, to be honest with you. And you know, it, it came to a point where, after getting a lot of cool opportunities and doing amazing things, I like grew out of that kid mode of kind of being cute, so to speak. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I grew a beard, and you know, uh, my. my <laughs> chubby kid frame just became general like you know teenager chubby and Mm -hmm. i wasn't as fun or cute anymore so then i went to college and i was kind of had one foot in one foot out but i always knew i wanted to continue to cover sports and be in the sports media and i felt like i'd you know been at the water fountain and been pulled away a little bit and i was Mm -hmm. desperate to get back and uh Mm -hmm. so that's what i've done i've just kind of grinded and wanted to be you know doing sports broadcasting my whole life it's all i've ever wanted to do you know from when i was Probably like I think most people want to play like until they're a lot older. For mm-hmm. me, I, you know, I've wanted to since I was seven or eight. I've wanted to be a play-by-play guy, or, you know, and a, mm-hmm. and, and a broadcaster. And so I'm living that dream as we speak. That's awesome, man. Congrats. That's a great story. Love it. Um, Letterman is definitely not a bad uh, 
Jeez. Drake. <laughs> yeah, it's not right? that Drake myself. I mean, but, uh, it's surreal to on. look back on and say that. Yeah. Like, what a cool saying thing. it out loud is like, wow, that was weird that that happened. You know, yeah. it's been so weird long. Awesome, yeah. It was very cool. Well, Grant, don't want to keep you on much longer, but really do appreciate you coming on. I actually did want to talk some national prospects, but we're kind of pressed for time here. So why don't you just give me maybe your, your favorite nationals prospect right now? I know we got the big names, James Wood and uh, Dylan you know, Cruz, Green, Brady House, a couple of ex-Padre guys. But uh, overall, like, who are you most excited for uh, this nationals team that you can look forward to in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think Dylan Cruz is their best prospect, which is not going to surprise anybody. Uh, <laughs> maybe the best hitter in college baseball this year. Got on base in every single game at LSU. And as a professional in 35 games since being drafted, about 140 at-bats as his year just ended, hit over 290 with an OPS of about 840 and held his own. Uh, he was an A-ball, and I saw him a few times in Fredericksburg, and he was really good. And then they bumped him up to double-A, and he, he struggled a little bit. But they knew that that might happen, and they also knew that he wouldn't get down on himself. He's mentally advanced. He's going to be in the major leagues next year. Uh, the cool thing for the Nationals is that they get a lot of guys that are going to be in the major leagues next year. Uh, Cruz will be in the outfield. So will James Wood, who I love. He's six, six plus, and he can play center field if they want him to. I'd move him to the corner, you know, for the same reason you put judge in the corner. It's easier on the body of a guy that big. Uh, he did strike out close to 38% of the time this year. So that's a little bit alarming, but a huge power played most of his season, you know, with home affiliates and Wilmington and Harrisburg that are far from hitters havens. And, and he hit 26 home runs and drove in 90 with a, OPS of almost 900. Um, so I think he's going to have to make a, a little bit of a swing adjustment, make a little more contact, cut down on strikeouts to find his ceiling. But his ceiling is legitimately, you know, MVP type potential in terms of the speed, the power. He's just got to some unicorn traits at his size at, at six, six and change. Uh, Brady House, their third baseman of the future, had a really good year. He's a really good player. I think is one of the more underrated prospects in the whole industry. Hit about 315 with the 900 OPS. Didn't hit for a ton of in-game power with home runs, but you guys, it sounded like you were, you know, been at some Futures games. I mean, there's nobody who put on a better power display at this year's Futures game than, than Brady House did out mm -hmm. in Seattle, driving the ball down the left field line. He's got massive pop. I don't really worry about that with him. And no. then, you know, everyone's heard of those prospects, so I'll just say, I guess, uh, to, to be quick here on the back end, two guys that I really like that are a little deeper down their system. One of them is actually in the big leagues already right now. I've always loved this guy. His name is Jacob Young. He was a seventh-round pick at the University of Florida uh, who scored the second-highest run total in all of baseball behind Aaron Judge last year. Uh, he's just a kind of a little guy who's a scrappy. Look, you know, Everyone kind of says he's a fourth outfielder. I think MLB Pipeline lists him as like the Nats' 30th prospect or something. Um, he is He's a guy that's going to give you more than you think all the time. He's a plus defensive player who can play center in a corner. He's a plus runner. He's a good bunter. He can hit a little bit. Uh, I, I think he's got like an Adam Eaton profile, if you guys remember that player. Oh, um, yeah. Where he could hit like 12 to 15 home runs when it when it's all clicking and uh, and play enough defense that like we, you know, you go back, Eaton was like a six war player a couple times. So mm -hmm. I would not be surprised, yeah. even though Young, ideally, if the Nats, if things go their way and they have Cruz and Wood and Lane Thomas and, and you know, Elijah Green or something in the outfield, Dalen Lyle maybe, uh, then you wouldn't need Jacob Young in the outfield. But he's definitely a guy that uh, uh, that I would keep an eye on. And then a deeper cut real quick would be Mitchell Parker, left-handed pitcher. Yeah. 
spent yeah. the year in double A. His, his issue is throwing strikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he made one start at AAA at the end of the year and, and struck out three in three innings. But again, this year in double A, he's overpowering. I mean, 132 strikeouts in 113 innings. Average against the last two years was probably around 215 or 220. If he can throw strikes, he's going to be a, a starter in the big leagues and a pretty good one. And no one ever talks about this guy. I think he's, mm-hmm. he's probably ranked somewhere near the bottom of the top 30 in pipeline. But yep. I think yep. he's a major league starter if he can. You know, that one part of his game improves, but he's been really, really good a few of the times I've seen him. Yeah, this system is getting really scary as a uh, Braves fan. They're doing it <laughs> the right way. It's with patience and uh, not forcing anybody up. Like you said, Dylan Cruz could be in the big leagues now, but they're they're doing the right thing and, you know, not pushing these guys. And uh, they're all going to arrive at the same time, which is terrifying for the rest of the league. But um, really good Especially- stuff, Grant. Especially yeah, those brave, especially those Braves. Yeah. Um, all right, Grant. Thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. This is, um, you know, I'll give you a second here to maybe plug anything that you're working on. Anybody, anything that we should check out online, athletic, what, what's going on with you? Yeah, I appreciate you. Uh, nothing really to, to plug. I'll say that uh, anything that I normally do or anything people would want to keep up on, I, I mentioned on, on my Twitter, so you can check me out. Uh, at Grant H. Paulson is the best way to kind of keep in touch. Awesome. Again, Grant, thanks so much for coming on. We got a superstar to come on to our show. Nate, we did it. We've made it. We did it. We did <laughs> we it. it. We have made it. Now, now, Grant, one last thing. It, yeah. To, to, to truly make it today and in this industry, uh, I, I now currently follow you on Twitter. Look at if, you. If, if I could get a follow back. Let's now, go. Now, if I could be one of those 334, we maybe we could change the ratio here. And as I sell my soul on the line, <laughs> on air, it. on we'll air, make it work. Yeah. All right. All right. I've got done a recording. I've got a recording of it. So we, there you, know, you go. We could, we could always come back. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, fellas. Well, I appreciate you guys. Keep up the good work. All right, Nate. Uh, Thanks a lot, Grant. Appreciate it. Futures Focus, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. And we are here with our special guest, the president, CEO, the boss man, Scott Green. It's only appropriate to have this guy on. He's been here, obviously, since the beginning for our 100th episode. Scott, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Alex. Great, great, great. Thanks for having me on. Episode number 100. Do you know who the hosts were for episode one? I remember listening to you really early on before I even was a member. I was like, I like this website a lot. I remember you talking about wrestling. and I was like, well, get on with it already because I don't care about wrestling. But I don't know who was on the first, the very first one. Yes, my my good friend Jake Barry and I were uh the hosts for the first season i guess or uh, if you will of of futures focus and um i think ben wilson was our first guest if 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 i remember correctly i'm trying to look back in the archives here and of course it's not loading right up on my phone but um jake and i were the hosts i know that and we did have uh, MLB's Jonathan Mayo on one of our very first episodes. So if people want to go back and listen to some of the early, early days of 
futures focus. That uh, that's something that they might uh, have fun doing. Yeah, that'd be interested to see if we were doing well back then with some of our predictions and see because those those been several years now. You could see if you were on the right path or not with <laughs> your your analysis of older prospects then. But um, and and you know what, Alex, I'm confirming. I my my memory is not great these days, but I was actually right. March 17th of 2019. So about four, four and a half years ago, uh, uh, TB Dubs 11, Ben Wilson was our first guest. Yeah, that would be fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a listen to that and see how how far we've come or how little we've come. One of the two is gonna be true. But um, I do remember listening. You guys did a good podcast. I was, you know, I remember listening to it and saying, "Wow, these guys, this is pretty cool. I have to put this into my rotation." Um, and then I just got a to be a, a writer on the staff. So <laughs> there we go. And then you expressed interest in leading up yeah. the podcast just a couple of years ago, and, and we've taken it to new heights and, and gotten a lot of votes through baseball pods. So thank you, Alex. Yeah, yeah no, I appreciate that. And uh, hopefully we keep growing. Um, I mean, having uh, Grant Paulson on as a guest, I think that's pretty big too. That was another big guy. So we're getting some big names. We had uh, uh, Tyler Freeman. Remember him making a guest yes. appearance too? That was fun. He, sprung board his career he's a home you know he hit a couple home runs this year that was fun to have him so go back through those episodes if you haven't uh if you just discovered us there i know they're a little outdated in terms of the prospects we're talking about but still some good stuff on some of those special episodes but uh, that does bring me to uh, a good topic to discuss here with you scott is kind of how you started prospects 1500 the how the where the where the when the why all that good stuff um and kind of pull back the curtain a little bit on exactly what Prospects 1500 was, is, and is becoming perhaps in the future? Loaded question. Well, yeah. I'll try to make it as as brief as possible, but I loved, I've loved baseball forever. Um, and I started collecting baseball cards when I was uh, seven years old. And I still collect them to this date over 40 years later. And I remember my first uh, dynasty league with prospects, I believe was back in 2008 or 2009. And um, it was a league called Auction Gods. And you had to, you know, uh, uh, bid on players, your regular players uh, in an auction. But then the prospects, I believe, were drafted. And so I was studying and trying to learn about these prospects back in 2008, 2009, and I had never really uh, followed minor league baseball and and was was not in the know for um, prospects and who was coming up. So um, I, I did my best. I think I remember drafting guys like Jason Hayward and Mike Moustakis. And uh, my team name, I won't forget this, my team name was Hydra. And Hydra, uh, at the time, I'm, I'm a huge Lost fan, the, the TV show Lost. And at the time, I think that was season three or four. And Hydra was one of the stations that was on the island. And uh, I named my, my prospect team Hydra. But anyway, uh, several years later, I just really liked uh, the idea of writing about prospects. And I was doing some writing for um, 
for uh, a website that was on a forum. The minor league part of it was just a forum, like a message board. And I didn't really own it. And I tried to get a few people to help me out with it. And from there, I said, you know what? I want to start my own blog. I want to have my own platform and I can get uh, people that I know from around the country to cover certain players or teams. And so we threw around the idea uh, with a couple of uh, other people in one of my deep dynasty leagues. And we're about to register the blog. And one of the guys says, you know what? Let's just register a website domain and and go from there. And I the original idea was Prospects 1001. I don't know really where that came from. I wanted to be a lot. I wanted it to be a large number, and I wanted it to be over a thousand for some reason. So I came up with the idea 1001. But before we went ahead and registered anything, we said, "What's the format going to be? What are we going to do on the site?" And we wanted to rank prospects and we wanted to do more than other sites were doing. And with MLB, you get your top 30. And with some other sites, you get your top 10 and 20. So I said, let's do 50. And if we have 50 per team and there are 30 different organizations, then we're going to be ranking 1500 prospects. And boom, then we said, that's our name. We're Prospects 1500. So we registered the domain, Prospects 1500. We launched the site. It went live back in December of 2016. And January of 2017, we tried and succeeded in publishing a different top 50 every day for the month of January. And that was really how we started. Uh, I didn't have I didn't have 30 different writers at the time. Some people doubled up. Uh, some were, were uh, collaborations. But uh, that was the goal. That was to, to rank prospects, to have a different writer to cover each minor league organization. And you know, uh, where are we now? Uh, almost eight years later, if I'm doing my math correctly, yeah. seven or eight years later, we we really still have that same model. We have writers that are covering specific organizations. Sometimes we have more than one. Uh, sometimes we have writers that are covering a specific league, like the Texas League or the or the um, or the Florida State League. Uh, and then we have other special writers that do hobby columns and we do MLB draft stuff. You've had Sean Kernahan on several times. He's our draft guru. And so we've just expanded and we just do as much as we can. And you know what? It's a labor of love. Every single one of our writers has a real full time job somewhere else or is a student or is or is a parent. And so. Prospects 1500 is a love, is a side project, is a hobby for all of us. Uh, I'm a sales manager for a media company in real life, and you're a teacher, and uh, everyone with the site does does something else for good in the world. But we love baseball and minor leagues and prospects, so we spend a little bit of our free time doing this. Yeah, and you know, for First off, I know there's one listener that 
had their mind blown with the 1500 because they didn't realize that's where it came from. <laughs> but, um, I I do want to say a couple things in the fact that, you know, you started five, seven, eight years ago with the idea of 50 prospects instead of the 10 or the 30, which for whatever reason, the 30 is like the standard. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't think of very many that go beyond that. Um, and then for a while there, you know, in the 2019, 2020 range, um, there's a lot of free content out there. And, you know, I remember going to website to website to website and getting all different rankings and all different stuff. But fast forward to 2022, 2023, seems like everything you have to pay for, it's, whether it's a Patreon account or whether it's a subscription service. Um, you really can't get a lot of good rankings, let alone 50 of them. But try to get a, a nice besides MLB pipeline. I mean, they're all they're all asking for money now. And um, and I think that goes to what you're saying in that none of us are really doing this for money. We're doing it because we want to just co- uh, contribute some way to the baseball community and the sport that we love. Um, so the fact that, you know, you're you're getting not only every team you're getting draft expert analysis you're getting some saber metrics in in here as well we have a couple guys writing their own models you have a podcast um and it's all been for free it all currently is free i i don't want to speak for you but i'm assuming it's going to stay pretty free going forward um it's really it's really something else so um i i do admire that you've kind of kept that model um have you thought about a subscription or a Patreon account or anything like that? Or is it, is it like the mission statement to keep this kind of as it is? I've thought about it. You know, I, I've talked to, uh, you know, my, uh, my partner, Brian, who helps run the site, uh, does a lot of the back end stuff. And we've thrown around the idea of maybe doing an ebook, you know, someone that maybe can download Uh, Let's just say an example of putting all of our top 50 rankings preseason together into one document and uh, maybe someone downloads it for three dollars or five dollars. I don't know. And we've thrown around the idea of that, but we haven't we haven't gotten there. And you said it. You said that. uh, Yeah. And and we discussed this just a couple of minutes ago. We all have other jobs. If there was somebody that was on staff and this was their full time job and we're actually paying them to to run the site and and we were pumping out maybe even more content, then then maybe Patreon makes sense or maybe there's there's some sort of paywall. I don't know, but that's not in the cards right now. We we are are publishing uh, original articles that we're writing and we're we're uh, publishing our own rankings. And let me say this, and I've said it before, we are not scouts. We are not out at the minor league ballparks with radar guns and uh, detailed notepads and tracking every pitch and the spin rates. And we are watching video. We are going to games and just, you know, tweeting and or Xing or whatever you call that. And every one of our writers that does rankings has their own way of ranking. Like we have tiers that everyone follows. So we have a model, but the way I might think about my top 20 Red Sox prospects might be a little bit different than how Kurt thinks about his top 20 
Tigers prospects or the way you do your uh, top uh, tier one, two and three for Padres prospects may be a little bit different than how we rank ours. So uh, that's what I love about our site is that uh, everyone gives their own little flavor. And and also when we do our aggregates and our our consensus and our combination collaboration rankings, we'll have 25 to 30 different writers submit their own top 100s and then we put them all together and we average them out and based on points is how we come up with our overall prospects 1500 top prospects and we've got one of those uh, probably coming in the next couple of months or at least before next season starts so we'll have our our new probably 2020 uh late 2023 or early 2024 ranks for that so yeah, that aggregate list is such a beast for in comparison to some of the other websites. We won't name any, but I mean, there isn't one that's, I think, more than five or six aggregate. And you're sitting here with 25 to 30. Um, it's extremely valuable when it comes out. I mean, there, you know, I wish it was we could update it like monthly. It would be awesome to, Agreed. to do that. Yes. That's just so crazy, though. Um, but when that list comes out, it's about the safest list that you can use for fantasy and dynasty leagues that, and and I'm not just saying that, (laughs) like I honestly use it myself just because it takes, it gives you an idea of what other people would value prospects, gives you an idea of a couple prospects that maybe you should know about more making these trades. It's not super well known. I mean, people are going to go to a couple other sites probably first, but this one, man, with the, it's such a beast. It's so valuable. Um, I love looking back on it and seeing kind of, how right it's been. It's been one of the, I would, I would imagine one of the most accurate prospects lists that you can find. Just, it just has to be. I think it's great that you say that. And it is very valuable and we put a lot of time into it. I would like to add one other thing about our website, prospects1500.com is that we take pride myself, especially and, and Brian and the other editors that we have in making sure that, the site in each column that's published has very good SEO, search engine optimization. And if if listeners don't know exactly what that means, we can be found by doing a search. And if you're into Google or whatever search engine you're using, if you type in something like baseball prospects or Milwaukee Brewers top prospects, or whatever it might be, most likely, for the most part, don't quote me on it, but for the most part, we will come up on the first page, sometimes near the top, and and that's helpful. Being able to be found, uh, people will do searches for things before they even type in the actual URL, prospects1500.com. People will just use Google and type in prospects or Red Sox, you know, minor leagues, and we'll come up. Do a search for uh, you know, farm system rankings and see if our February article, where we did our own rankings of each farm system from 30 down to one, see if that comes up. Type in baseball prospects, something that general, and see how we do. So I am very happy and continue to tweak 
the back end of our site and each article that we publish. So months and even years later, uh, we'll still be there um, on the Internet. And, yeah. and, and I think that's really important. And, and you don't get that out of every website, even ones that are big businesses and, and, um, and have people working full time. And we're just we're kind of just this little guy, but we've been around for a while and we have a good footprint. Yeah. And I can confirm because every article you write, having all those tags in there with the the players and linking to baseball reference and having all that, it definitely, we put in some work as writers, but it pays off in, in what you just said. So um, awesome. I, I did want to get a little bit more personal with you as this is sort of a celebration episode. And uh, we're, we, you know, Nate and I have discussed our favorite prospects of all time. Just curious if you had a, a prospect that, you know, you saw, you know, you knew it was going to be great before everyone else, or you loved following, you saw a lot, anything like that. Who is your favorite prospect of all time? Mookie Betts. I think that back in, oh, must have been in uh, like 2012 or 2013. Uh, I don't remember the exact year, but I saw Mookie when he was a second baseman for the Portland Sea Dogs when they came through uh, New Britain, Connecticut at the time, which was the double uh, A affiliate for the Minnesota Twins at the time. And he was just amazing. I think I got to see him in two or three games. I remember him going five for five with a couple homers in one of the games. And he kind of came on the scene pretty quickly. He was not one of Boston's top prospects, but uh, within a year or so, he was in their top 10. And and then he did not spend a lot of time at AAA the following year before he got to the big leagues. I remember trying to order a Mookie Betts uh, jersey or buying one at Fenway Park shortly after his debut, and they didn't have him. Like they there were no uh, Mookie Betts jerseys to be found because they hadn't uh, even been part of the production process yet. And, uh, you know, he became one of my favorite players. And, yeah, certainly was really tough to see him move on a couple years ago. But I'd have to say that um, seeing him in the minor leagues so many years ago uh, doing his thing at second base um, was, was pretty exciting. Incredible prospect, still moving to second base and even shortstop this year um, as a Dodger, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, pretty incredible prospect. Rapid rise. I didn't, you know, I wasn't following the Red Sox too closely back at that point, but it sounds like he had a really rapid ascent, kind of a la Ronald Acuna, if, you know, for my Braves guys out there. Uh, just all of a sudden, you had something, you had a franchise turning player. Um, and and did you see the talent when you saw him just in person? You just you was he something different about him? Batting practice, anything that stood out? Do you remember? I remember just him being a, a little guy, not not a big guy. Uh, he's 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 uh, filled out a little bit uh, since then. He's still not a, a, a really big big guy, um, but but uh, just a spark plug and and 
so athletic and you know to be able to play the middle infield and move to the outfield and hit with power and hit with contact and um smooth uh, smooth fielding and i could see it i could just see it and um uh, another guy you had mentioned uh, acuña i think another guy that uh, ascended to the majors very quickly was juan soto i think he was promoted from double a also and uh, didn't see triple a time uh, i know acuña was in triple a for a little while but i don't think soto was yeah i remember ranking soto and thinking like i know this guy's just going up so fast and then he was there and then he was a uh, you know world series champion <laughs> i was right. just like wow right. and yeah this, the shuffle and all that yeah Pro- i mean that's kind of why we do it right the prospects just when they uh, they don't do this all the time i mean these are pretty special players but the ones that go are special from day one and still are special to this day it's something something to behold for sure um well scott uh appreciate you taking some time coming on to uh the podcast here we are doing a giveaway um, if you wanted to sort of tease the prize. I hadn't mentioned the prize earlier, but I did mention how they could go about it. But uh, what is the uh, what is the prize? The prize is something that I think uh, our listeners would would be pretty interested in winning. Um, you, you mentioned uh, how to go about it a little earlier. And just to reiterate that, um, you just have to send us an email. It's that simple. Email prospects1500 at gmail.com. And uh, and you're going to let us know, I believe, four prospect names. And, and you could give those details uh, yourself. But the prize, I dug out. I, I, I went into my, my card cave uh, in my basement where I do all my my baseball card breaks and i i went into some of my stash and i pulled out one of these sealed boxes that i still have from earlier last year and it is a 2022 tops heritage minor league uh baseball hobby box uh and it is uh, like i said it's sealed there are 18 packs of eight cards per pack and there are, on average, it says find two on-card autographs per box. So there should be two autographs plus at least a couple different parallel serial numbered cards. And uh, it's a really cool prize. And I will ship that out to uh, the winner uh, of our giveaway. And it's just something that I wanted to do. Uh, to celebrate our 100th episode and us being around for the number of years that we've been around. And, and I will say that the only way people are going to know about this giveaway is by listening to this episode. We are not sharing this giveaway information on social media. It's not going to be listed on our website. So only the people listening right now will be able to enter or know about entering to win via the email yeah awesome and it's a appropriate prize too that's a cool set of cards are all in their minor league uniforms so if you're listening to this podcast you are into the minor leagues can't think of a better prize scott it's really cool um but yeah um pretty small uh, contestant pool when you think about it i mean compared to 
doing a social media one or anything. So there you go, listeners. Thanks for listening to a hundred of these episodes, but uh, Scott, again, thanks for coming on. Any last words before we, uh, we let you go. Yeah. I I'd like to uh, just give a shout out to my oldest son, Adam. Uh, Adam is joining our staff. He's going to be doing some writing uh, for the Red Sox beat, kind of getting on my case because I haven't submitted a lot of content lately. Uh, so his first article is is uh, on the site uh, now. So check that out. He did a little dive into some uh, Red Sox prospects that he he thinks are going to be climbing the prospect ladder within the next year. And uh, coming up, uh, we're going to have some Arizona Fall League coverage. Uh, I'm going to be out there next month with some uh, some guys and and ladies from the staff. Um, and then we'll have some other things off season, but we're still going to continue to push out the content. So, uh, you know, stay tuned, keep listening to the podcast and check us out on Twitter at prospects1500.com. I actually call it Twix now, T-W-I with a capital X, Twix, um, because I'm just not into the other name. And, uh, thank you, Alex, for everything you do. Oh, yes. Well, thank you. Well, I think that was a very special episode indeed. Special thanks to Scott Green, to Nate Eckert, to Grant Paulson for coming on, being a part of this 100th episode. Yeah, it's just the number. Yeah, we're going to have more. Yeah, it might not mean anything to you. But to us here at Prospects 1500, this is a really special accomplishment i myself am super proud of what we've been able to do now this isn't my full-time job i don't get paid for this but it is a passion of mine and i hope you believe me when i say that i love baseball i love talking about it and having this podcast really is as crazy as it sounds like a dream come true Um, a a couple years ago you know, Sarah, my wife, shout out. I don't know if I've ever shouted out my wife before on the podcast, but she said, you know what? Life's too short. We need to find stuff we're passionate about and just just go do it. And that was the speech that I needed to hear. And I just went out and I sought somebody to just give me a platform. Just let me talk about baseball and these prospects and something um, and that's when I found Scott Green. And, and, you know, I already knew of Prospects 1500 already. And I just, he was the guy that gave me a shot. And it it worked out to the point where I got to be in charge of this podcast. And it might not be the best podcast. I may be an idiot at some times and say things that I shouldn't. But in the end, it's something that I love with all of my heart doing. And anybody out there that's listening. Thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart from the, you know, on behalf of Nate and Scott. Just thank you so much for listening to this and giving me just a second or two of your day. It means a lot to me. And I hope to continue going forward and giving you some stuff that helps you, entertains you. You know, I'm not trying to offend anybody or uh, and I don't think I'm smarter than anybody else when it comes to this. It's all just for fun and enjoyment. So again, if you made it through this far, I'm now at an hour and 20 minutes. And if you're still listening to this, you're my, you're my 
guy or girl, whoever whoever you are, and you're listening to this, thank you, man. Shout out, high five, cheers, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. So, 100 episodes, we did it. This is Futures Focus. And by the way, we will have more episodes coming up in the offseason. We're not taking a break. I know there's been a big gap. I definitely understand that. We were we it's been a in a minute trying to put this episode together. But we did it. We're done. And now we can kind of get back to the normally scheduled program. And in the offseason, we're not going to have one every week. But we got AFL stuff to do. We have updated rankings to do. We have, you know, predictions moving forward, a bunch of stuff. So we'll try to churn out an episode or two. Uh, a month uh, moving forward and then when the season rolls back around of course we'll get back to our weekly episode so again hope thank you so much futures focus my name alex sanchez thank you again for listening we'll see you soon <laughs>